We deserve to know where our bodies are to understand our own biology. And I think historically, there's been so many blockers to getting this information because fertility is such a, a, a touchy subject. Welcome to Teach Me Something New. I'm your host, Britt Morin, and this is a production of iHeartRadio and Brit & Co. All my life, everyone's told me I should focus on being good at one thing. But the truth is, I'm curious about a lot of things. But how do you learn about everything? The answer? Make the world's best experts teach you in less than an hour. So come along with me as we all learn something new. In today's episode, we're sitting down with Afton Vetchery, CEO of Modern Fertility, a company that allows women to learn about their reproductive health through a simple at-home fertility test. This conversation was recorded before COVID, and I know so many people are struggling with making decisions around family planning during such an uncertain time. Listen in as we share the ways you can take control of your fertility, even now from the safety of your own home. Hey guys, Britt here, and I'm back with Ange today to talk about fertility. Oh my gosh, I'm so stoked that we're covering this topic. You are? Why? Well, I feel like it's had such a taboo around it for so many years. Yeah. Until I got into having kids, I really knew nothing about it and definitely wasn't comfortable talking about it. I've always wondered about it because here's some little DL. I had my period when I was nine. Who does that? Oh I don't God. know. That's insane. But I was like, what does that mean? Do I have, like, less eggs now? Am I going to, like, not be yeah. as fertile when I'm 30 because I was five years early having my period? Oh, yeah. And I also didn't even realize that you're born with all your eggs. I know. Like, so my daughters already have all their makes eggs. makes me think about little girls differently. It's super it's weird. a lot of eggs. <laughs> okay, well, what did you feel like when you were in your 20s? Because you actually didn't have your first kid until you were in your 30s. Yeah, almost geriatric. Were you, were you nervous me. about it? Um, so I basically ended up getting on the kid train because I wasn't getting periods and had all these weird things going on with my body. And then it was sort of like, whoa, I need to get into gear and actually start trying to have kids. Mm. So it was a little earlier even than I wanted to, but I ended up— How old were you? So I was 33. <gasps> I think for your first kid. For my first kid, yeah. Which is like very average slash early yeah. in the Bay Area where totally. we live. But yeah. I had my first kid at 28— and I had no idea if it was going to be hard or not. My doctor told me it would probably take me a year to get pregnant because yep. I had been on birth control for 14 years exactly. at that point. And it took me three months, which I feel weird saying because there's so many different ranges of fertility problems women go through. Mm -hmm. And I feel really blessed that it was that easy for me. But here I am now. I have two kids and I'm debating having a third and now I just turned 34 and I have no idea if it's going to be hard or not. Well, it's sort of crazy because I've basically had both experiences. So the first time was hard. It took like one, like 12 to 18 months to get pregnant the first time. And the second time, it was sort of a surprise. Mm. Um, so I sort of have like my own imposter syndrome about it. Yeah. Too. But you're done? I'm done. You're done. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, this conversation I know can be really overwhelming for women. But our guest today is trying to change that. Afton Vetchery is the CEO and co-founder of Modern Fertility, and she is trying to empower women by giving them easy access to the information they need to make decisions about their own reproductive health. 
She's here to teach me something new about fertility. Welcome, Afton. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, well, we have a lot to learn from you. We're still kind of like total rookies at this, even though we're moms. But I think in general, so many women have questions about their fertility. So can you just start by telling us about modern fertility? What is it and why did you create it? Yeah, great place to start. So Modern Fertility is a women's health company focused on making personalized fertility information more accessible to women earlier in life. And so for our first product, what we did is we took the exact same test that you would do in an infertility clinic if a woman or couple was having trouble getting pregnant. And we took those exact same tests out of the clinic and made them available to women earlier in life at a fraction of the cost in a really easy to access format. So really, uh, Modern Fertility is all about making reproductive health information more accessible to women so that we can own the decisions impacting our bodies and futures, whatever those decisions might be. So it's actually a test you take at home. Yes. And you can be however old you yeah. want to be to take it. 21 through 45 is our, mm-hmm. our age range. And mm-hmm. that's really because every uh, result has a lot of, of customization around it that we've worked with reproductive endocrinologists, fertility doctors, OBGYNs, reproductive psychologists all across the, the U.S. to to build and, and develop out. So, yeah, it's uh, 21 through, through 45. And uh, women come to our site. They request a test. They can either test at home through a, a finger prick. They can go to a Quest Diagnostics facility as well if they don't want to do that. Uh, and then they get their results back in a few days and, and have access to the, the modern fertility experience. And so why would a 21-year-old who doesn't want to have kids yet be interested in taking a fertility test? Yes, that is such a great question and, and really the dialogue that we want to change as a company. So when you look at women in the U.S. today, we're waiting longer to start our families. And so the average age of first birth in major metropolitan cities is 31 years old. Oh, I was so close. You were <laughs> late. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was early. Yeah, but coastal. You know, we have things to, to do. We're waiting until later in life. When we think about our parents and previous generations, it's just uh, there were less women in the workplace. We were doing different things with our lives. And now, you know, we're shifting this age until later. Later in life, and then that window starts to to have biology play a factor, and so the conversation and the education that we need around this it just it changes. And within that, twenty percent of millennials are identify as LGBTQ, and mm. so the traditional notion of of trying to conceive is just totally different. We have career counseling, we have uh, mortgage calculators, yet fertility is still a black box. And so mm. when you look at all of these things together, I think you know we have twenty one year olds coming to our our site and saying, oh my my gosh, like I, I know nothing about my fertility baseline. I don't know where my reproductive health and my body is. I, I want to get this baseline and this this check. It's not the majority of our customers today, uh, but it's still, you know, women that are raising their hands and, and saying this. And we are like, oh, my gosh, like that is that is amazing. And that's the the trend that, that we're seeing, which is because, pretty cool. you know, you might find out that everything's fine. You've got a ton of eggs. You're pretty fertile and you don't need to worry at least now, you actually recommend doing it like once a year to see how that baseline changes, right? Yeah, yeah. So your fertility, unfortunately, declines with age. So you can kind of do the Mm -hmm. test, check in. It tells you where your body is right now. It's not going to help you understand if you can get pregnant right now, but it helps you understand that overall fertile window. And so, yeah, you could do the test at 21 uh, and just understand where you are uh, and then continue to to test over the the course of your your reproductive years. Uh, But there 
are really empowering things that you could learn on on either side of that. So for example, if you learn that, let's say you have a a really uh, almost no eggs in your ovaries at that time, it correlates with this condition called POI, premature ovarian insufficiency, which affects one in a hundred women. Whoa, that's so many. I've never even heard of it. PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, impacts one in 10 women. Oh. Including me. (gasps) And me. Yeah, not me. (laughs) Two out of three. So far, but my mom. But my mom, does that mean I'm going to get it? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> or, well, if you don't have it right now, uh, it actually, it's interesting. It typically goes in the, the opposite direction. So as your ovarian uh, reserve and y- your body continues to shift and change, you have people that, uh, women that kind of grow out of PCOS rather than um, getting it with, with well, age. So, so on that note, basically, here's my quick fertility story. I didn't have my period for four months and I was freaking out. Obviously, I took pregnancy tests. I knew that wasn't the reason. So I went to the doctor and I wasn't trying to get pregnant. And they were like, oh, you have PCOS. You have these cysts on your ovaries. Here's the whole story. There could be all these other side effects that I wasn't experiencing, thankfully. Um, And it really freaked me out because then, because one, I hadn't even considered my fertility, right? It's not something I'd ever thought about. I mean, it basically kicked things into high gear. Um, And so it ended up taking me you know, through the PCOS, I'd basically get my ovaries looked at every single month that I was trying to conceive. And sometimes there would be like more cysts than others. And there'd be like follicles that were more viable and all of that stuff that I still barely understand. Um, And it was sort of crazy because then anyway, I did finally get pregnant. Um, I did Clomid. Clomid did not work for me anyway. And then I took a month off. I was like, I'm so over this. And my husband and I were going to Alaska for an anniversary trip for two weeks to go camping. I was like, just we just need to hang out, and of course that's when I got pregnant. Yep. Because you relaxed. Yeah. How much does stress play into this? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, there are so many different things and, and areas. So stress. Yeah. We the reality is across all of, of fertility and women's health, we need more research. So we know that stress plays a, a role, uh, but we need to continue to to dig in to really understand how. But anecdotally, you know, we work with so many reproductive endocrinologists, and it's so funny to hear you know the number of women that schedule that appointment, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, they have the appointment on the books, and then they they get pregnant. And so we hear totally. all of these things anecdotally, and uh, we know that you know when you're body is in this fight or flight or stress mode it's 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 not it's not helping itself, you know, go through that process. Mm-hmm. And so we know that that stress plays a, a role in there really is is more research that needs to happen to really kind of tie tie all of that together. But yeah, I think, you know, with what you were saying with, with PCOS, you know, one in 10 women have PCOS and it causes, you know, with these irregular periods, irregular ovulation. And so it's really hard to, to time uh, intercourse uh, around your ovulation period. Uh, it might not even happen. And so having this information as a baseline earlier in, in life can just help you be your own health advocate as you navigate this process. And mm-hmm. you know, with PCOS, the treatment for PCOS is, is birth control. And right, so, right. you know, if you have... Or in my case, having a child. <laughs> you know, right, both ways. Right. Yeah. yeah, and just being able to understand where our body is. So one of the hormones that we test for is anti-malarian hormone, AMH. And it's actually, it's secreted by the cells that surround the uh, follicles in your ovaries. And so by testing the amount of AMH in your blood, you can actually see how many eggs you have in your your ovaries, uh, which is a proxy of, of your overall ovarian reserve. So how many, you know, eggs you have right now and, and ones you have 
staff that are, are waiting on, in the wings. And so uh, when you look at that AMH level, um, typically these you know sky-high AMH levels are correlated that in, in testosterone with, uh, with PCOS. And it's not a part of the official Rotterdam criteria that's used for the diagnosis, but it's helpful for doctors to have those other data points to understand, okay, you know, where where are you? Where's your body? What is this process going to to look like? And I just think, you know, back to your original comment of like when when should women get this information? It's just we deserve to know where our bodies are to understand our own biology. And I think historically there's been so many blockers to getting this information because fertility is such a a, a touchy subject and yeah. there's not this reimbursed care pathway to help you navigate it along the way. And so mm-hmm. as such, we just we don't have the information to mm-hmm. our reproductive health or right. our fertility information. And, and we think that needs to, to change. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So Afton, I know that you brought something fun for us to do, which is test our fertility knowledge. Yes, <laughs> let's do it. I have no idea how we're going to do this. Okay. We're just going to dive in. I didn't study, which is unusual yeah, of me. True. <laughs> but it also means I didn't cheat. So go for it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Question number one. Because I take good care of myself, I do yoga, I eat healthy meals, I exercise, I'll have better fertility health. Mm. Ooh. I'm going to go false, even though I think I would be less stressed and maybe there's some correlation, but we don't know yet scientifically. That's why I'm torn. Okay, but I'm going to go false. You are both correct. It is false. So a lot of the media and pop culture can just lead us to believe that a a healthy body leads to greater fertility, but it's just not the case. Uh, Fertility is about your biology and your hormones. It's it's not uh, correlated to to green, green juice. Okay, so I have a question, though, on that, because I feel like they suggest making dietary changes, exercising more, mm-hmm. all of this stuff to help with fertility. 
So how to tell that me more. Is, so yeah, <laughs> I, I think when we're we're thinking about our, our health, it's really at a high level, just mm-hmm. these these broader misconceptions. Um, but we also know weight, you know, whether you're overweight or underweight, mm-hmm. that can influence mm-hmm. ovulation. And mm-hmm. so we know that all of these factors tie into it. It's really kind of this core of ovulation. And mm-hmm. so eating certain foods and, and doing different things in moderation can can help. So you are correct. There is a flaw in my question. Uh, <laughs> this I is mean. kind of how we, we think about things at a, a high level. Um, it actually Actually made me think of this other uh, example. You know, we go to the American Society for Reproductive Medicine conference uh, mm-hmm. every that year, fancy. and there was this amazing presentation uh, where a researcher was talking about how okay, there are these patients that you know think they need to to make these big changes in their their lifestyle and mm-hmm. and diet to get pregnant, and uh, they would start you know doing all of these green juice cleanses, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but then you know they were basically supercharging their bodies with these very high uh, levels. Of, of nutrients that their bodies weren't used to. And it, mm. it created this, this hostile uh, environment for the, the egg to implant. And so oh. there was actually a decreased fertility oh rate with, with some of these major changes. And so I think that- so two um, turbo. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just, it's important to have the, the education about right. how all of these different factors influence your fertility, um, certain types of, of nutrients all the way to, to BPA. We do know that the BPA, a common formula in plastics, influences your fertility. So ditch those- and in a negative water, way. In a mm-hmm. negative way. So no Seriously, plastic Seriously, there's nothing good that comes with plastic. So let's just get rid of it. Agreed. True. Side note, but I'm trying hay straws now. Ooh. Different you, topic. Oh, yeah. Hay. Hey, I have metal ones, you know. Too hard to clean. Okay, <laughs> next question. <laughs> next question. The eggs in my ovaries diminish once I hit 30. True. But wait, aren't they or diminishing like, let's, all let's, the time? I think this is a trick question because <laughs> I agree with Ange. They're diminishing every year. And this is why when I had my period when I was nine, I was like, well, I'm screwed in my 30s. <laughs> I love that you thought so, that when you were nine. Yeah, I did. <laughs> that is beyond your years. So what's uh, – I'll sidebar. So uh, whether you get a period or not every month, you're still losing the same number of eggs every month. What? Yeah. Super interesting. So we hear we get the question all the time. You know, because I'm on birth control, am I kind of keeping all of my my eggs and my my ovaries? That is not the case. How does the egg slip out if it doesn't have a period to flow with? <laughs> uh, so we have kind of our our eggs in the wings, our, our ovarian reserve, and there's basically a, a certain amount um, that are are in our ovaries in a particular month that we would stimulate mm-hmm. with egg freezing or our IVF. One of those, uh, if we're not on hormonal birth control, gets uh, or have conditions like PCOS is ovulated every month. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of that cycle, the rest kind of dissolve and are are shed with the menstrual cycle. Interesting. Okay, so you're right. Um, it w- was a little bit of a trick question, um, but it is it's false. We're not going off a, a cliff at 30. Uh, so we're diminishing our our ovarian reserve. The number of eggs in our, our ovaries goes down every year. As we said earlier, you're born with all the eggs we're ever going to have at birth, and that goes to zero at menopause. Mm-hmm. And so we start to approach this steeper decline at 35, mm-hmm. uh, It's a, and that's largely based on our, our age and egg quality. Um, which is correlated with the number of years we've been on on Earth, uh, but that is is something that is kind of going down in a, a stepwise um, mm. kind of curve and until that point. Hmm. Okay. Next question. Next question. PCOS is one of the leading causes of infertility. True. One in ten. True. Right. Yeah, it's true. 
Yep. Uh, so it's true. Right. With PCOS, it's just really hard to predict the timing of ovulation. And ovulation uh, it is really important uh, that it happens because you you need that egg to become fertilized with a sperm to, to get pregnant. That said, it's definitely treatable. It's just a, a really important condition. It's good to know to, that you have it. <laughs> Next. Okay. The last question, infertility is primarily a woman's issue. Ooh. Ooh. False. false. I think true culturally, false biologically. Right. Because sometimes it is the guy's problem. I don't know what that means, though. If Is there a modern fertility for men? Okay. Let's answer first. You are both correct. Yes. False. Mm-hmm. Uh, infertility is almost equally attributed to male biology and female biology. And other unknown lifestyle fa- factors, each of those contribute to about a third of, of infertility cases. And so, yeah, I think you're you're so right. You know, historically, infertility has been this woman's problem. And that is something that just needs to to change. And so with Modern Fertility as a company, we started uh, with, with what was hardest. Uh, there was was no easy way to get this fertility hormone testing done, mm. but we believe that the conversation needs to just be really honest about what female fertility is, uh, giving women more solutions, but also male factor fertility and how that impacts the process. Mm. Do they have like yeah. a male menopause? Is there like where their sperm gets worse? Uh, So (laughs) sperm quality does decline with age, but not as rapidly Mm. as uh, female. That's why Hugh Hefner could like have so many. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I have a little announcement, which is I took the test. Woo! <laughs> and I just got my results. Okay. No one right. knows about this. No, yeah. Are you excited I mean, to I'm, learn about I'm it? I'm very excited. I'm just going <laughs> to tell the world right now <laughs> that I'm kind of bummed. I have like pretty low levels of AMH. And so that means it's probably going to be hard for me to get pregnant again. How so should I interpret this? Let's dive into your results. So I actually, I think we, we have your results right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you tested a hormone called anti-malarian hormone, AMH. Uh, and for women that are on certain types of birth control, we test AMH. And then if you're not on birth control or on other types of birth control, we customize the test panel and we can test up to eight hormones in addition to, to AMH. And so in your experience, we get seven different reports on oh. your fertility. So we have ovarian reserve, so the number of eggs in your, your ovaries, which AMH can help tell us, uh, ovulation, egg freezing and IVF, menopause, more information on PCOS, more information on POI, uh, and then a deep dive on just AMH as a, a hormone. And so I think the, the really important thing to, to understand that we stress in the experience is that AMH isn't telling you if you can get pregnant right now. The only test of uh, your ability to, to have a baby is actually getting pregnant and delivering a, a baby. Mm-hmm. But there are these better uh, fertility detectives uh, in, in our bodies that we can use to understand and, and have more personalized information about that overall process. And so the hormone AMH is, is one of those fertility detectives. Great. Like a Nancy Drew of fertility. <laughs> so so with your, your result, um, what we're able to, to do is uh, for each hormone, there's something called a, a reference range. And that's where kind of the, the normal, you know, 80% of the, the population lies. And so for AMH specifically, we can look at where your levels are and is that, you know, average or 
or not for your age. And so uh, for your AMH levels right now, they are are slightly low, which is means they're right on the, the cusp of, of normal. And what that means is uh, you have a, a slightly fewer amount of, of eggs in your ovaries compared to, to other women your age. Mm-hmm. And that can help you understand more about your overall reproductive window. So the number of years that you have until this uh, great thing called menopause, uh, the average. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm going to have like hot flashes. I don't know. I've heard things. I already have hot flashes. <laughs> so the average age of menopause for American women is 51 years old. And the menopausal transition can occur up to 10 years before that. And So, so what, I'm going to be like 41? So it depends. For some women, it's a year before. For some women, it's 10 years before, and then the average age is 51. Uh, But that's an average. So let's say that you um, are – you hit menopause at 47, then that 10-year window could start as early as as 37. And so Mm. uh, your fertility detectives, your hormones can help you personalize that window. And why that's really impactful is as we wait until later in life to start our families, now at a a degree that's higher than previous generations, that, uh, you know, desired kid window is starting to overlap with the menopausal window and Mm -hmm. and transition. And so that information can be so helpful to us in in how we're planning our timelines, whether it's, it's kid number one, kid number two, Two, kid number three, and how we think about that process. So mm-hmm. testing your, your hormones, understanding where you are, and then continuing to retest over time can help you just track mm-hmm. how you're moving through that that period. And so one question is, because I'm on birth I know you were controlling for the fact that I was on birth control, but would I get a different result if I went off the ring for a few months? So birth control is really interesting, and we walk through this in the reports. And uh, with birth control, for some women, it slightly suppresses the results, and for some women, it doesn't. And so when you take the test, the the only way to really check in on your fertility while on birth control is looking at your hormones, Mm -hmm. but it's not a perfect predictor. And so we can give you all of the information right here. Um, The other side of that is that there's no way birth control could increase your AMH levels. And so it's just this really uh, cool way to, to check in to get that baseline. And then as you go off birth control, as you uh, kind of go through the, the family planning process, as you look for more indications around your reproductive health and are choosing mm-hmm. different birth controls over the course of your, your reproductive years, mm-hmm. we can continue to retest over time. Okay, so basically what you're saying is I'm not in the danger zone. My levels are only slightly low, which I still feel sort of bad about because I'm used to being (laughs) a perfectionist. But what can I do now? What do I do with these results? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think that that's a great point in terms of you know, with our with our lives, where we're type A, we're perfectionists. We think that because our skincare regime is so awesome, and we feel good, and we're doing yoga, we're we're taking care of ourselves, that our, our reproductive health might be on the same page, and and that's not how it works. And you know, we have women that are are in their early and, and late forties coming to our our site that have just never had a, a conversation with their doctor about how fertility declines with age. And so, really, you know, when we started Modern Fertility, it, we wanted to start a fertility education. Company. Company, so mm-hmm. that we could have this conversation about how fertility correlates with age, what all of these hormones are, and what they tell us about their their body. And so, with with your results right now, it's really meant to be shared with your doctor to have that informed conversation. And so, with a, a slightly low AMH, it means that you might have slightly fewer eggs than average for your age. You're kind of right on the cusp. And also, if you were to pursue egg freezing and IVF, where you would kind of stimulate your ovaries 
is extract all of those mm-hmm. eggs, you will have different success rates than someone that might have more eggs at your age. Right. I was thinking about that because egg freezing is this newer phenomenon, technology. Even companies like Facebook and Google are paying for their employees to be able to freeze their eggs, which is a cool perk. And I actually feel like despite, you know, some of the hype about it and disagreement about it, it is freedom for women to decide what they want to do. And I've actually been wondering if I should do egg freezing because I don't know how many more kids I want yet. But what I do know is the age of my eggs now are probably healthier than the age my eggs will be in a year or two. And so is it going to be harder for me to freeze my eggs because I have slightly lower levels of AMH? So it won't be harder for you to freeze your eggs. You might just need to go through more cycles of treatment to get to the desired number of eggs that you want to to have and and freeze to achieve your your reproductive goals. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think though, you know, really diving in and, and thinking about egg freezing, we we've seen a lot of press and and conversation around egg freezing. I, I think. It is an amazing procedure, but it's not right for for everyone. And mm-hmm. I think that with all of this press and, and marketing, there are some some misconceptions that exist out in the world. And so, rewind back to 2012, I think it was the experimental label of egg freezing was removed. And so, previous to this, egg freezing was a procedure that was typically used for cancer patients going through chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you know you would go through through chemo, it would you would freeze your eggs beforehand so that you could use those eggs and have your own biological child after treatment. So amazing procedure and Mm -hmm. and breakthrough in in medicine. And in 2012, that experimental label was removed, meaning that, you know, the 500, there's only 500 infertility clinics across the the U.S. could use this procedure for a healthy patient population, Mm -hmm. women that were were choosing to to have kids later and, and want, you know, additional options. So often one of the things I love about your website is that you actually share your fertility story with your users. Can you give us a little piece of that? There's no reason there should be this much stigma around fertility. And so this was kind of, you know, what I believe should be mm-hmm. one step in the the process. So yeah, in terms of of my own fertility, so um, I, you know, through getting my fertility hormones tested and going through this process, I was diagnosed with PCOS, and so I was told by my doctor that I would never be able to have kids naturally. Oh my uh, God, but never. It's okay because I could come back to the fertility clinic and they could could help and it would be fine. And that to me, you know, this was before I had started modern fertility. Mm. I was not an expert in in all things fertility, and I was like, oh my gosh, like what does that mean? So I guess I'm good, but I have to like come back and see this this guy if I, if I want it to be good. Mm. And so I I think you know this this whole process for me was also you know building out the the education that I wanted to, yeah. to be able to come back to of you know what do these results mean for me? What is the process to actually you know getting pregnant and, and trying to conceive and how could we create this community? How could we create the support system? How could we create the, these results uh, to, to help women, you know, navigate this process and really understand what everything is beforehand? Well, I'm feeling a little bit enlightened. What about you, Ange? I'm definitely feeling enlightened, but I wish I had this five years ago. Do you feel enlightened <laughs> enough to want to have another baby? No. Okay. But I do think there are a lot of reasons to take it, even if you're done having kids. Yeah. To just learn about your own health. Well, and menopause. And menopause. When's that going to yeah. hit? Womenopause. Oh, I know. Can we change that word? Okay. That'll be a separate topic. Um, Afton, thank you so much for joining us today. I really hope this helps a lot more women understand what's going on with their own fertility 
and actually just feel more empowered to take control of their life a little bit more. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing. So thank you for everything. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys, you heard it here first. I hope you are feeling a lot more informed about your own fertility. I hope you're feeling that it's a little less scary and less taboo as well. And as for me, I'm actually going to go chat with some doctors and figure out what I need to do to get a third baby Morin. Ooh, get that girl, girl. I want the girls so bad. (laughs) But if it's a boy, it's fine. I'm just happy. You can borrow mine, too. If it's healthy. Whenever you need them. Okay, newsflash, I went to the doctor after we recorded this. Dude, what did you learn? Well, let me just tell you, I did an ultrasound of my uterus. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was How like, does it look? Looking pretty good after I mean, two kids. I mean, pretty sexy, still in good shape. <laughs> um, but the purpose was to see how many follicles I had because that would tell me, in actuality, how easy it might be to get pregnant again. How does that relate to the AMH? Okay, so my AMH, if you recall, was point. Eight-ish. Just slightly under average. for me, who's a perfectionist, that was a failure. And I told the doctors that as soon as I came in, and they said, actually, this isn't that crazy. You're probably totally normal. And I said, no, I'm not, because it's slightly (laughs) low, and you guys should check it. And so um, they did. And and guess what? It's normal. Yay! They were like, here's my guess going into your ultrasound. You're probably going to have 10 to 15 like good follicles that are still working <clears throat> because you're on birth control. It might be like 20% lower than what it actually is, but still 10 to 15. And I was like, whatever. It's probably going to be 5 to 10. <laughs> Can you guess the winning number? 10. No. Oh, my gosh. More. 11. 11. Turn 11 it up to 11. <laughs> so I feel good about it because really with the 20% up kick, that's like 12. Dude, that's legit. 12 point. Yeah. Get your girl. I'm going for it. (laughs) Get ready, Dave. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. But I do have to say I'm really glad I did the modern fertility test because it told me that I was probably going to be normal to slightly low, and I kind of was, like I was on the slightly low end of normal. And so, you know, if anything, it gave me peace of mind. I feel way less stress. I think if I were to do this every year, especially if I were like 25, 22, I would feel so good about just knowing I had time or not and what to do about it. What I think is really awesome is that reproductive health is meant to just be part of health. And it just gives me kind of a different take on it. So I'm excited to see what kind of tests and things my girls have access to 20 or 30 years from now, because it'll be totally different. Yeah, like they're just going to pee in the toilet and get their AMH levels. Totally. A big thanks to Afton Vetchery and the Modern Fertility Team. If you want to learn about your fertility, they're offering $20 off for Teach Me Something New listeners. Just go to modernfertility.com slash something new. Thanks for listening to Teach Me Something New, a production of iHeartRadio and Brit Co. I'm your host, Britt Morin. Send us your feedback and find more information about each episode at Brit.co slash listen. You can also find me on social media at Brit and at Brit Co. A special shout out to my two co-hosts, Ange, who you can find on Instagram at Angelica Temple. And of course, my husband and partner in everything, Dave Morin. Teach Me Something New is executive produced by Christine Swore and Ali Perry with additional production and sound design by Aaron Kaufman. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next time.